Um, anyways, uh, we're in a series on prayer at the moment, which is obviously really poignant uh, after we've just been praying for Seb. And uh, last week uh, in this series of Praying with Fire, I spoke about the fact that so often uh, in a moment of crisis, we learn the depths of prayer or we try to pursue a deep prayer life. And uh, what I was really proposing was that actually rather than responding to crisis in prayer is to pray all the time yeah. so that when crisis comes, you are already prayer prayed. That's what we said, isn't it? Prepared. Uh, that we are prepared when stuff hits the fan. We are prepared when it feels like we're in a corner and we're not sure where to turn. We don't just want to be crisis Christians. We don't just want to turn on the Lord and up our worship when we've been given a bad diagnosis or when we're struggling financially. What we want to be is people who know intimacy with the Father all the time, in the good times and in the hard times. In the book of James, he, he writes to the church, he says, uh, basically, is anyone happy? Pray. Is anyone sick? Pray. Like, yeah. no matter what you're going through, prayer is the appropriate response. And so, yeah. really, we spoke about four Ds that help us establish this intimacy with God. I don't know what Louise is doing there, but uh, here, <laughs> use this stepladder idea. And um, what I was saying was, is that as we walk with God, the idea is that we want to not live at ground zero, but rather we want to realize our favored position of being seated with Christ in heavenly places. That we don't live under challenges and under crisis and under hardship and difficulty. We live above challenges. We live above yeah. crisis, hardship and difficulty. Uh, such is the inheritance of the saints that we can carry a supernatural vision when everything with our physical eyes seems like it's, uh, it's dying around us and it's hopeless around us. We come with a different mentality. Why? Because we're sat with yeah. Christ in heavenly places. So we see things differently now. But the problem is sometimes as Christians, we don't always fully understand how do I live in that place of delight? How do I live in that place of pure joy? Well, I kind of spoke about four D's. The first D was the D of decision. It is the first step to moving forward in your life. Um, Every good thing that has come about in your life started with a seed thought, a decision that you yeah. made to do something maybe differently. Mm. Uh, equally, every bad thing that has unfolded in your life, um, it may not have been your decision, but at some point a decision was made and then something yeah. negative ensued. And, and so we have to understand that at some point decisions have to be made. If your life is falling by the wayside, if your finances are falling by the wayside, if your marriage is falling by the wayside, then you have to understand a decision needs to be made. Yeah. Like sometimes we just think if we put our head further in the sand and not think about it, hopefully the problem goes away and evaporates. But the problem is the longer something goes unchecked and unchallenged, the, the bigger and the more challenging it becomes. Okay. So let's just use this prayer as an example. If you have a rubbish prayer life, you are inconsistent and you feel like you're not even touching your ceiling, let alone heaven in your prayers. We need to make a decision. Yeah. A decision to do something about it. Well, let's say you don't know Jesus as your saviour today and you're thinking, man, I, I watch this stuff and it's cool, but like I'm just not feeling it because like, you know, I, I, like, I like what I see, I like what I hear, but like I'm just not really sensing any of this God thing at work in me. Well, then a decision is required. Yeah. You know, almost a decision to put your confidence in Christ before you feel anything. A, a decision to trust God with your future. A decision to call on him now. 
uh, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. A decision is required, okay? And then we spoke about that from the decision we make, we need to create disciplines. Disciplines really is a, it's a, it's a pattern of living. It's a, it's a, it's a rhythm of habits that help us um, enforce a decision. Uh, so, for example, if I want to make the decision to get fit, I now need to create a pattern of habits that are going to lead me to that place of that vision that I actually have. So if I want a six pack, I have to make a decision. Am I going to eat kebab <laughs> or am I going to do 20 press ups every day and slowly start building that up or sit ups and all this more kind of stuff? 20, kebab. I don't need more than 20 push ups to get a six pack. I'm almost there. I've got five. I'm working on the sixth, right? Or as Richard says, why have a six pack when you can have a keg? Have a keg. Who, who wants a six pack when you can have a keg? Now, I want you to be thinking now because in a moment I'm going to be inviting your questions on the chat rooms because we're going to unpack disciplines a little bit more. But before we do, uh, the next step was this, is that actually as we do something more, it, it moves from this idea of this regimented discipline to this place of devotion. Yeah. It becomes actually something that right. you start to take pleasure in and something you begin to find worth in. And then finally, I didn't really leave myself enough room, <laughs> but old sunny delight up here, it leads to a place of delight, which I believe is where spiritual Christians should be living. Now, I'm not saying that when you're living here, you don't face waves, hardship, yeah. challenges, but actually there's a fortitude and a resilience. And I know Ferndown Campus spent the time season talking about resilience. There's this resilience built into you that when you come into crisis seasons, when you come into challenges, uh, you're not needing to work hard to kind of muster the energy to get through it. Actually, you're already in this place of intimacy with the Father where you are seeing things as he sees them. You know, Jesus says this, I only speak what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. Why? Because he lived in this place of delight. He yeah. lived with this heavenly mindset all the time. Now, discipline's an interesting thing, okay? Because who likes disciplines, right? I know I don't really yeah. like disciplines. It kind of feels anti-life. It feels more legalistic. Because you're going to say, Sodom, are you telling me that I have to pray an hour a day and read the Bible like a chapter a day and sing a song a day? Um, that's not really what I'm saying, but I understand that like often when we talk about disciplines, we have negative connotations yeah. as to the impact that they may have for us because typically disciplines require sacrifice, okay? Yeah. It's decisions that we make every day to uphold this habit, habit and pattern of living that is going to lead us to our preferred future. But it's interesting because in the scriptures, uh, let me read this. This is what Paul writes. He says... He says, wait for it, it's really exciting. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, okay, but only one person gets the prize. He says that like, you know, if eight people are running, there's only one first place, all right? And it's kind of interesting because my, my suspicion of Paul's writings is that he's quite a competitive chap, right? Which really works for people like me because I'm quite a competitive chap. But he says, imagine a race. Like, who, who, who enters a race thinking, oh, I hope I come third today? You know, oh, I really hope, I really hope it's a tie. No, you enter a race because actually you want to take that first prize kind of reward. And he says, so run to win. And I think that would be a great message for today's, uh, a great title for today's message. Running to win. We have to become a people who run right. to win. We don't come with the spirit of apathy and lethargy. We come with a mentality as only one person, if only one person can win, I'm going to ensure it's me that wins. He says this in verse 25, chapter 9. All athletes are disciplined in their training. 
Not all the athletes in the Sunny Hill football team, let me yeah. just say that. I've seen, I've seen with my own two eyes, not all of them, including myself. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So he likens now this, this idea of this Christian walk yeah. and this, this physical race. Like athletes train to get a reward, but what's the reward? It's like a piece of metal, like cool. But actually we as believers in Christ, we, want, we run for an eternal reward. We're actually running for the lives of those around us. Yeah. That's the eternal reward because what's the one thing that transfers from earth to eternity is souls of man, souls of people, right? So actually, when we run, we're not just running with this, I hope someone notices how good I'm doing. It's bigger than that. It's an eternal reward, one that's rooted in this idea. This is not a game. We're playing for keeps here, okay? So Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. He says, I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And it's a great thing for anyone who preaches or anyone involved in leadership. Paul is bringing a really challenging point here. He says, I just don't want to be one of those people that preach good ideas, that preaches ideals and kind of mobilizes and compels people to punch for the next level. But me, myself, being disqualified because actually I'm not putting in the hard yards and I'm not keeping my body in this place of submission to the spirit. So actually here, Paul is championing this idea of discipline, that discipline is essential to the Christian walk. And actually, if we take the word discipline, I think this is really cool. And I don't think I've really thought about it before, but it's really obvious when you think about it. It actually comes from the word discipulus, right? Which is where we get our word disciple from. So when Jesus calls people to follow him directly, I even read it in my Bible reading this morning with Matthew. When Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, he says, come and be my disciple. Mm. It's kind of this, that if we think disciplines are cold and void of the spirit, then we're fundamentally missing something of the nature of discipleship. I don't think it's possible for you to be a disciple of Christ without embedding disciplines in your life. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to take the way and pattern of someone else into your own life. It actually is where we would get the word pupil from. It's where you take someone's way and put it into your life. So what we've got to think about is how did Jesus live? How did Jesus relate to people? How did Jesus pray? How did Jesus deal with money? And what we see in that then is this example and standard that now if I can kind of, you know, cook down those disciplines and embed them in my life, I can become more like Christ, which is the goal. Transformed into the likeness of Christ. And I think so so often we just think that is purely a work of the Spirit, which I understand it is ultimately. But actually, it's also a work of your decision. It's also a work of your discipline. Paul says, when you run, run to win. And on that basis, we're going to unpack some practical thoughts about how we can embed disciplines in our life. Maybe you've been a person who's forever struggled with discipline. I'm believing today that God is going to break something in that. And that actually you're going to find a new sense of life and freedom in creating healthy disciplines that lead you to your preferred future. I'm going to be inviting Pastor Richard Garten up after this song. And uh, I'm going to be throwing some questions at him. He's spent a lot of time thinking around this area. It's one of the main things that he speaks about um, at church in our leadership meetings 
things in our team meetings and he's got some great thoughts yeah. that I, I think are going to help you today. Uh, but send in your questions. If you've got any yeah. questions that are going to, you think, oh, that's really cool, it's all very well, but how do I do this? What if my life is so busy? What, what if I've done disciplines before and I just haven't sensed God? I ask whatever you want. We'd love yeah. to field those questions. Mm. As I said, we're going to be throwing some questions at Richard and... Um, and I'll jump in where kind of Richard struggles. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. Discipline is points. points. Main points. No, we just want to have a conversation. <laughs> and we've seen some great questions coming in. And we also have a few yeah. questions that we want to kind of unpack. You, you've thought quite a lot about discipline. Yeah. Why? Uh, I think two things around it. I think one of the biggest things I've noticed in Christian circles is a lot of people who go, I live by faith alone, mm-hmm. kind of negating the need to do anything. Okay. And actually, I think a lot of times faith acts as a catalyst yes. to make us act. That's great. And I think the struggle for that in me is having grown up in church. So often when I see people busy um, speaking about things, they're giving you, you need to do these things. Yes. But it's actually, the, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. What do I actually do tomorrow yes. on the ground? And I actually think most of our lives is built around rhythms, habits, disciplines. Yeah. And it's actually how we move into the things that God is asking us to do. So for so me, good. that became kind of the catalyst in my own thinking was going, how do I move this beyond just something conceptual into what would this mean for me tomorrow or my family or the people that yeah. I minister to? How does this look in their lives? And also, how do we not just end up people who go, well, if God wants me to pray more, he better make me pray more. And I'm just yeah. waiting on a miracle and... It's God will just do this and actually going, no, no, God's telling me to pray and I have faith in him. Yes. And I have faith that God believes I can pray more. Yeah, great. Yeah. So now I'm going to build a habit of prayer so into my life. So that's kind of really what it threw onto me. That's so good. So like, what's the difference? Because I would say religion can be kind of defined as doing habits, patterns of and practices of stuff. But what's the difference between cold religion or negative kind of legalism and healthy disciplines? Uh, I think it's a great question. Mm. Uh, I think the difference between the two, legalism is where I'm trying to win the favor of God okay. by doing these things. Brilliant, yeah. Where I would look and go, discipline is me responding to the favor that God has brought into my life. So good. So it's Brilliant. something we don't think about, but if, if prayer moves the hand of God, which I believe it does, I believe as we pray, God is unlocking things in the heavens and here on earth and actually repositioning things to see things work out. Me becoming disciplined in my prayer isn't trying to say to God, look at how hard I'm praying. Please like me. Please do something for me. It's going, because you're already doing something for me and because I believe this already, I don't have to win your favor, but I want to respond to it by actually going, I'm going to build this pattern. And in in the same way as um, your wife may go, this, I mean, this probably wouldn't happen. Like, you know, there's something about you that isn't happen. great. There's Whatever you're about, about to you, say wouldn't happen. Yeah. There's something about you that's not quite right. No. But actually, you would look and you would go, I'm not going to change that thing to try and make her love me. She already loves me. And because she loves me, yeah. I want to begin to change yeah, that thing. And brilliant. that's going to be a discipline. So yeah. that's, I think, the difference between the legalism and the religious. Like, you, you can't win God's favor by doing these things. He already loves you. Yeah. yeah. So do these things because he already loves you. Yeah, brilliant. You know, I was thinking this week, that, that verse um, where it says that the father disciplines those he loves. Great. That discipline verse. is a form of love. It's yeah. not a form of punishment. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's this, I was thinking about this from a different angle, just thinking that actually, if you have no disciplines, um, it's it potentially to do with the fact that you have no worth. 
in yourself. You feel no value. Um, because if you love yourself, you understand that disciplines are going to... Well, you love your kids, don't you? Yeah. So you create disciplines and boundaries in which they can flourish. Yeah. But we ourselves often, we just let that slide. So someone's asked a great question here. The wonderful Teresa Harrison. We love you, Teresa. Hey, hey. She asks a brilliant question. Um, you know, if Paul's talking about running the race and, and kind of go, how can we run if we're not even jogging at the moment? Yeah. So if we think about that in the context of disciplines, That's like... Good. How do you start? Like, if you're not even like, if you're not smart, like, where do you start? I think it's a great thing, and I think your step ladder um, that you built is this really important. This was much important. safer. Alan Cook suggested this was much safer way of doing yeah. it without the actual step ladder in the room. Reflecting on it, way safer than you climbing <laughs> a really rickety ladder up onto the roof. Yeah, totally agreed. Good insight, Alan. And we all wish we thought of it, but Dom falling off a ladder, much funner, much funner. Come on. But I, th- I think it's great. I think you have to make the decision. I actually think it's the hardest step. Yeah. Actually deciding to do something, I think, is harder than, than finding what you need to do. For a lot of people, what they want is the end. What they're after is they're going, oh, I love if it was going to be like this. If I was praying 10 hours a day, yeah. my life would be so much better. And that's where they stop their thinking. And what yeah. they don't do is go, yeah. now I'm going to decide to start to pray. So, good. so I, I think that that... that entry point is really really important making that decision and one of the things i do is if i make a decision like that i'll tell um, my wife um and then she'll go no you decided this so you got to to do it yes but i think making that decision that decision and then disclosing it yeah to people around you kind of yeah accountability and drives Mm. you it makes you look and go okay i might actually have to do something about this especially If it don't 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 become accountable to people you don't listen to, that's yeah. a waste of time. <laughs> like it has to be people who actually matter. Yeah, yeah. That you'd go, okay, I'm going to do that. But I think from there, what you have to do is, is you have to begin to plot out small steps you can begin to do. Yeah. I think most of us jump from zero to a thousand and yeah. think I'm going to sustain that. Yeah. And yeah. for the first two three days, it's the January. Hey, pro- it's a January it, it, problem. Exactly. Year after year. Exactly. Isn't it? I'm going to start running. I'm going to run every day. And after about three days, you're like, I cannot move. I don't want to run. <laughs> I've given up. I'm going to think about running. And then yeah. it's June. And I mean, it's June. So do you really want to run? Yeah. And then you think it's too late to get my beach body. I'll have to wait a whole other year. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you've lost. I say this from experience. I mean, <laughs> which is just sad. Let's be honest. But I think once you've made the decision, what you've got to do is go, okay, what, what is realistic for me? Yeah. Uh, if you're not praying, one minute prayer every other day is better than nothing. Yeah. Now, now everybody can pray a minute. Yeah. Like if I said, Dom, can you pray one minute every other day? Yeah. Like if you said no, I'd go, like you can. Like you could pray just while you go to the toilet in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like if you wanted to, I mean, leave it up to you. Leave it up to the people. But I think that making those little tiny small decisions yeah. and then going, okay, this is practically what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try and pray um, for an hour, what I'm going to do is just pray for one minute every day, which which means over the course of a week, even if I did every other day, okay, cool, I've prayed like four or five minutes mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. So what happens then if the following week I said, I'm going to up that to two minutes, mm. just two minutes every other day. I mean, if you can do one minute, you can do two minutes. Yeah. Well, that's giving me 10 minutes now yeah. during the week. Yeah. And I think when we begin to think in those ways, yeah. what you're going to find is maybe after a month, two months, three months, five months, all of a sudden you're going, I'm praying half an hour, 40 minutes yeah. every other day. Yeah, great. Half an hour, 40 minutes every other day, yeah. that's going to have a massive impact on your spiritual walk with God. But to be honest, if you can pray one minute every other day, 
well, you can now pray one minute every day. Yeah. And now what I'm beginning to do is I'm slowly busy building up. And I think the, the visual of the stepladder is hard because what it looks like is, cool, I'm going to make my decision and then really quickly I'll be in the discipline and then yeah. I'll get to devotion. But the reality is it probably looks something way more like this. I'm going to make my decision and then between the decision and yeah. hitting the devotion and then the delight mm -hmm. is kind of that gap. Yeah. Mm. yeah, Which is the discipline gap. And, and, and I think the only way you do that is you begin to go, instead of trying to take massive jumps, yeah. I'm going to be taking these tiny little incremental steps that keep going on. Great. And I think that this is where we need to be really honest about ourselves. Yeah. Um, something that may motivate you yeah. doesn't motivate me. Yeah. And so I've got to be honest about that. What does motivate me? What drives me? What makes me go? I'll keep doing it. So for some people, having someone driving behind them going, you've got to pray more, you've got to pray more, that will work. Yeah. For other people, they'll go, get off my back, leave me alone. I'm not going to pray more. What are you doing? For some people, um, if I pray for a minute every day this week, I'm going to go and have a slice of chocolate cake. Yeah. That'll motivate them. And for someone else, they'll go, I hate chocolate cake. I don't yeah. want a reward. Yeah. Understanding your wiring mm. begins right. to then affect things. And I, I think it's really important because I think God's designed us in that way. Yeah. And I don't think he minds. I don't think God would mind going, you know what, God, I'm going to commit to pray just two minutes every day for the next week. And I'm going to see it through. And at the end of this week, I'm going to have some chocolate cake if I do. Yeah. I don't think God's going to go, whoa, no, no, you can't do that. I think he's going to go, yeah, enjoy that chocolate yeah. cake. Yeah. And he's going to go, I believe you can do two minutes every day. Yeah. So yeah. do it. Yeah. Do two minutes every day. And I think understanding how you are, understanding the things that will keep yeah. you motivated yeah. and driving you. And what you begin to find is one minute becomes two, four and all of a sudden you're going 35, 40 minutes, 50 minutes every day. It's not hard. That same pattern, I actually think you could apply to the rest of your life. And I think you could do that when it comes to your finances, your marriage, your health, whatever it is you wanted to do. Start small. Like start small and build from there. Don't start big. Sustain it. Yeah. Because if you start big, it becomes too hard too quickly and you end up petering out. And no matter how much willpower you've got, yeah. I don't think it's going to drive Well, well Linda asked a really cool thing on here. Um, talking specifically about praying yeah. for things, like praying for non-Christians, yes. for example, not seeing the fruit. So if we apply that to the scale, what happens if you are locking yourself into a discipline, but you're not seeing the harvest that you really want to see? Like, what do you so do then? Good. It's so good. I think that this is probably one of the... Um, one of the things in the world we live that people struggle with the most, mm -hmm. it's the instantaneousness of something that we want. Yeah. Anything worthwhile doing is going to take a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, so every time I think about dieting and losing weight, if I knew within three months that would be reality and I would look trim and fit, no issue. Mm -hmm. The biggest struggle, it's the longevity mm. of what I need to commit to now to see the outcome I want. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not instantaneous and it's yeah. painful and at times it's frustrating and it's sacrifice and it's everything else mm -hmm. that makes a discipline a discipline. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same thing. You're praying for somebody who isn't saved and what you're wanting is to go, God, I've prayed about this for the last six months. <laughs> like, why yeah. has this not happened? Yeah. yeah. When actually it's all, actually, God, if this takes the next 10 years, yeah. I'm, I'm in yeah. and I'm going to do this as a discipline. And, and the struggle in that situation is, the actual devotion and delight you only begin to see emerge when you begin to see the first signs of a heart turning. Yeah. 
yeah. but that could be a 20 year journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if it is a 20 year journey, like it's one of those things that you have to just go, okay, I'm in this for the long haul and, and anything of significance. And that would be so significant. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus turning their hearts yes. to Jesus. Yeah. Like this is significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything of significance takes time. Yeah. It's not True. instantaneous. I do believe God can move in a moment and change someone's life. Yeah. I believe yeah. that. But actually, I think if we did a poll across Sunny Hill and asked people, like, what do you think were the major factors contributing to you being saved? For most people, there will be a relative, an aunt, a granny, an mm. uncle, yeah. a friend who for years upon years upon years yeah. committed to praying for them. Yes, yes. And it became a discipline in their lives. And now great. that they know Jesus, it's a delight. It's great. And actually, it will make the second time easier, yeah. but it will still be hard. Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Like it, it will still be. A, well, it's really, a really good. And like Katie uh, Lurie asked a really interesting question for parents. Like, how do you engage your children in this sort of thing? Like, obviously, you've got this leading yourself thing, which yeah. is a big issue. But what about your household? How do you go about like creating disciplines that are healthy for your children and stuff? Uh, really, really challenging. Uh, firstly, you have to model it. Mm. One of my favorite things to happen is when, I don't know if you've ever had this, it's really funny, I love it. You're sitting in a conversation with a family and the child will say something wildly inappropriate. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like they'll slip out a word that's not a word you should use in a public yeah. forum space. Yeah. And every parent, I've done this too, responds in the same way. Must have happened at school. That's where they picked it up. Like, and it's not true. It's what we model in our home is what our kids replicate. Yeah. And it's what they carry through. Yeah. And if you're not living a life of discipline, yeah. your kids will not live a life of discipline. Yes. And you can want to build discipline into their lives and you won't because when they look at you, they'll go, what I see is undisciplinedness. Yeah. That, that's true. Where do your kids learn to pray? Uh, Jake and Sophie are amazing. I love them and they're great next gen leaders. But if you think Jake and Sophie are going to teach your kids to pray, they're really not. Mm. You are. Yeah. Mm. And it's part of the responsibility God's put on you as a parent. So I think it, it begins in our own private discipline it mm. begins in us going i'm living a discipline in life and then i think we have to include our kids into that yeah and what we try to do is make an internal home program yeah to show our kids how to do it rather than going i don't need to do that come and watch me do it yeah come and do it with me yeah come and join me yeah um uh, it's really interesting having your private devotion and then actually saying to caleb yeah. one day come and do my devotion with me yeah, yeah. It's teaching him a discipline yeah, pattern it's great. caleb come and pray with me now i think even if you're only praying for one minute a day inviting your kids into that mm. creates a discipline in their life yeah and as you are building up the discipline your children build up the discipline and what i think is even more exciting for me is when you fail at the discipline mm -hmm. at times mm -hmm. and you then carry on going mm -hmm. and your children see that mm. yeah. it says to them I can keep going even yeah. if I fail. Yeah. And so I, I think that there is no magic way to do this with your kids outside of you have to do it and then invite them into doing it with you. So what I hear you suggesting is our 24-7 prayer room should be filled with one-minute slots, basically. Yeah, one-minute slots. <laughs> a million slots. <laughs> yeah, there is a million slots of prayer one million for you to slots. take. I think it's really interesting because I think actually... An hour's prayer in my mind seems a really long time. Mm -hmm. mm. 30 minutes seems manageable. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting there going, I can't do 30 minutes, book a 30 minute slot and go, I'm going to commit to praying 10 minutes three times. Mm. And if that seems it, I'm going to commit to playing five minutes six times. Mm. Yeah, is that the right maths? Or three minutes. Or three minutes, a couple of times. Three <laughs> minutes, 10 yeah. times. 
And even if you then did the exact same three minutes yeah. ten times, yeah, I, I, I can guarantee you that if you took five slots over um, twenty four seven prayer mm. by slot three, you're going to be going. I'm now praying fifteen minutes twice. Yeah, 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 yeah like, that's good. Tr try it out. You just do the same slot, the same three minutes. Just do it ten times in a row, and you may be bored by it. That's okay mm. because God's not bored by it. Yeah. yeah. Like just because you're bored doesn't mean God's bored. Yeah, I don't so think God, I think God works in, in the normality of life. And my life is pretty boring most of the time. Like yeah. it's not hyper exciting all the time. Yeah. And I think inside of that, what God loves is that, that heart of going, God, like, I think I can just do three strong minutes here. So I'm going to give you 10, three strong minutes <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, and actually, God says we should keep going back to him with prayer anyway. So the yeah, repeat yeah. is good. It's good to go knock on his door more times with the same thing. Yeah. But I think that by the end of 24-7 prayer, you'll be going, wow, I'm doing 15 minutes. Well, I, I, I actually think it's, um, I think the, the, the powerful thing in the devotion here is the fact that like, um, I think God likes it. Like what I mean by that is, for example, Caleb loves playing football. If I said to him, let's play football and he loves it, there is no sense of sacrifice and sense of self-denial. Mm. If I say tidy your room, and then he's obedient to that, but he's not enjoying it. Like, I don't think we should feel guilty because we're not enjoying it. No. Do you know what I mean? And I think eventually we will, but I think you've kind of referenced it there and it's good because it relates to some questions here. If you fall off the ladder, if you fall off the, you know, you've been going, what do you do? Like, um, I've got a few things that I want to tie in. Like somebody saying, Christine saying that she's not a morning person. And I think often we she's think... Not. I think <laughs> that's Louise's mom. I think a well we generally think well-disciplined people, 5 a.m. the alarm, holy people, their alarm goes off at five, you know, spend two hours interceding for China or wherever, you know, 7 a.m. Then they'll do like the, the, the prayer circle with their kids. Like it's like, how do we get to, Erica's saying here, like she struggles after point one. Yeah. She can make a decision. Discipline is the most impossible thing, and I think then there's this whole guilt thing that comes in. Yeah, that we're just not living it. Like, great. Lead us through some sort of answer to all that carnage. Stop trying to steal someone else's pattern. Mm. That's that. That's the reality. Yeah. I think that what we do is is we see someone else doing something, and instead of going, what I'm seeing you do, I'm now going to find how it would work for me. What I'm going to emulate yeah. isn't the actual practice exactly how you're doing it, yeah. but the spirit and heart and drive behind it, yeah. we end up trying to live out someone else's pattern. And, yeah. and that works for someone else, yeah. but will never work for you. So, yes. so my pattern of life cannot work for your pattern of life. Yeah. The rhythm of my household will never work for the rhythm of your household. Yeah. But what I can do is look at the rhythm of your household and go, man, there's some great stuff there yeah. that I'm going to steal yeah. reconfigure and, and, and put yeah. it for me. And I think that that's where you begin after making the decision. Look at great prayer warriors, but don't think to yourself, I better now be a great prayer warrior. What I want to do is see some of the repeated patterns that yeah. they're doing. Yeah. So it's really interesting. A lot of people who are really good prayer warriors do some of the same consistent things. They have a place of prayer. Mm. I find that really challenging, but actually I also can see how that can help me because of how I'm made. So. If, if every morning you came and sat at the piano and you said, I'm going to sit at this piano and I'm going to pray while playing for 10 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. that becomes your pattern. Eventually, every time you sit at the piano, what you'll instinctively do is pray. Your brain will kick it in. Um, but that could work for somebody who has a piano. Yeah. I would go, if I sat at a piano, it's not going to move me to pray. 
my wife loves being outdoors. She absolutely loves outside. I hate outside. Yeah. If we did away with all of the world out there and just were all indoor people, I'm okay with that. So you, you look like... Yeah, I look like it. I look this, that's why I grew the beard. I'm just too pale Just give me a warhammer yeah, and yeah. a paintbrush. Yeah. And I'm all good. <laughs> I have these little figures and then when I look at them... So... Like I think, is this that, why the Gimli look is? Yeah, this is what it is. It's because it's, cool. it's I never have to engage with the actual world. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife will go outside, and for her, that will move her to prayer. And when she consistently does that, her brain actually yeah, learns yeah. in this space. I need to pray. So yeah. I think that that's what you do: is you look at great prayer people, and you go, "I'm not going to try and steal what you're doing. I'm going to try and learn from what you're doing, right. and then create it for me." I also think if you fall off the ladder. It's not, we, this is where the metaphor may crumble down. If I fall off the ladder, I don't tumble to the bottom and have to start again. Mm. All I need to do is, is carry on from where I am. Yeah. One decision here isn't going to destroy you. Uh, people who lose weight, I found it really, really interesting. You may have a bad day today and go out eat everything I see. This doesn't mean you're going to stop losing weight and now you're going to be a fatty for the rest of your life. <laughs> what it does mean though is that tomorrow you need to just carry on from where you were. Mm. You need yeah. to just go, yeah. I was here, I was doing this discipline, I'm going to carry on doing this discipline. That is hard because that's a decision you still have to make. Yeah. And so you kind of have to remake the decision, yeah. but you don't have to then redo the little steps. You get to kind of go, I get to catapult yeah. to where I was yeah. and keep going. But I think most of us fall off the ladder once and it's done. Um, one of my lecturers at college used to talk about this idea of going, there's sometimes when you're mountain climbing that you have to go up the mountain and then you have to go down a mountain. And he goes, the question we always ask ourselves is, is a person going up or down? And what we really need to ask is, what are they looking at? If you keep your eyes on the summit, mm. even though you may slip down a bit on the mountain, if you're still looking at the summit and going after it, I think that's yeah. the win. Yeah, that's good. It's when you go, no, yeah, yeah. and you give up. I think that's where we lose. And actually, I think we're more prone to give up than most of us want well, to. Well, I think it's, it's when your disciplines and your habits um, become more normal. So like, I think like when I was running last year, for example, it's really weird. And I think we actually approach like the Bible in a year plan the same way. Yeah. Like if I'm running five miles a day and I miss tomorrow, the thing in me, I think, well, I need to run 10 miles the next day. But it's not true. Does that make sense? Yeah. In the same way that if we're doing the Bible reading in the year, I'll need to read two days worth tomorrow. And what it does is it crushes the delight that we found right. in the discipline. So good. Because what now we're doing is we're bringing a heavy-handed response yeah. or a punishment that will learn you to miss yeah. a Monday run or whatever. Yeah. And I think part of the problem then is what we need to do is step back. And after six months of running every day, you go, it's more normal for me to run now than it isn't. Absolutely. So I don't need to go back and create no. those things. Yeah, I'm just, I'm a runner. Yeah. So this is what I do. And do you find that after the six months of running, mm -hmm. it was easier to run? Yeah, I did. I did. And then the problem is then is you go, oh, it's a cold week. And then it's when your new, the, the, what you failed in a day or two becomes now the, the normal pattern. Yeah. So actually it's no longer normal for me. To, and that's the problem. That's where you kind And of I think that that's really interesting because this is what happens up at the top of the stepladder, the devotion mm -hmm. and the delight. Mm -hmm. Most of us think that the delight is the end goal. Mm -hmm. So the minute I feel like it's easier and I'm happier, yeah. I no longer need to do the discipline. Yeah. I've arrived. Yeah. When actually what we haven't realized is that doing this process Undergirds has that. become the delight. Yeah. Oh, so you reach yeah. the top of the discipline and now you're going, I'm easily running 10 miles a day and I'm not kind of having to have the ambulance follow me <laughs> in case I <laughs> the drop you. Yeah. Okay, I can do another three steps. 
Um, and no. you kind of see, you kind of see, you, you're going, I'm hitting the 10 minute, the 10 miles. It's going really, really well. I feel so good. I now no longer need to keep running 10 miles. Yeah. And all of a sudden, after a few months, you're going, why am I battling to run yeah. 500 meters again? Yeah. Yeah. And what you haven't realized is actually this is the delight. Yeah. This is the devotion. Yeah, so good. Right. I'm now, I'm now can become devoted to go, I can easily yeah. do 10 miles every day. Great. And I'm going to do it and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. And it keeps you going. And I think that that's kind of, we, it's so crazy. We give up when we get what we're after. Yeah. Yes, rather than going, no, no, no this discipline that I wanted to do is what I was actually after. Yeah. I can now pray for an hour every day. Yeah. I don't need to anymore. Yeah. Like, no, you do. That's the delight. Yeah, You're actually yeah. going to have the light yeah, an so hour good. every day. Keep going now. So good, Richard. Um, we'll land it there, but we'll pick this up next week, I think, because there's loads of questions that cool. I really want us to follow up and, um, and take it to the next level. Um, but Anthony Brella has put a really <laughs> cool point about couch to 5K. Yeah is a brilliant app to help you running, right? Which is really true, but I also think there's, I've used prayer apps in the past that give you notifications yeah, that actually true. help you. I, I can't remember some of them, but there, there's loads out there. Go on the app store, check it out for yeah. yourself. And don't feel guilty that you need that sense of, I almost feel like it's a coach. It's yeah. like, um, yeah. you know, it's like with my Bible reading plan on you version, notify you, you haven't done this today. Yeah. And it's like, even Apple know the the incentive of streaks, you know, so do a, not as in a naked street down the road, but like, you know, when you Each do five days that together. That you. In fact, the Bible app does that, doesn't it? Yeah, five streaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Streaks. Five streaks in a row, you get rewards. Cool. Yeah, it's great. So I want to see all of Sunny Hill community streaking this week. Like they've never streaked before. <laughs> right? that, that's the win. Um, but Richard, thank you. But there's, no, thank you. there's loads of stuff here. Like Eric has put some brilliant questions yeah, there about if you don't live Christians and are constantly bombarded with other negative behavior, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Like, you know, it's okay. It's easier to establish disciplines if you're in a nice Christian community yeah. and all that. But if you're in something where this is alien. So we will get into that next week because cool. there's been stuff I've been reading in Galatians 6 that I want to unpack as well. Cool. So we'll move that to next week. Richard, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Woo! Everyone at home. Great. Let's thank Pastor Richard Garton. We've missed you. It's good to have you oh, back on team.